Well, I want to welcome to the program Stephen Arms. Stephen is the author of a book along with his dad, A Milestone to Manhood. Stephen, you had reached out to me uh, through my website, and I was excited to see that book because I'm so passionate about uh, raising my boys to be men. And honestly, there just are not a lot of resources out there to help dads figure stuff out and help dads know like what to do, what to do. Like, I think a lot of guys will hear about the theme of um, uh, uh, stand up. You're the spiritual leader in the home. Go, go, go. Right. And at men's conferences uh, or online watching stuff. And it's like, get in the game, get off the sidelines. Let's go. But the concrete sort of like boots meets the ground kind of stuff that, that can help fathers figure this stuff out. Not a lot of that. So first of all, thank you and your dad for writing this book and, and telling your story and, and providing some guidance for, for uh, men like me that to turn boys into men. So to, and the rite of passage to, to help along with that. So, so first of all, that's a long introduction. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Tom. So I got to say, you've done a, a bunch of interviews now. The book has been out a number of months. Um, let me say this. What is the most surprising uh, question you've gotten asked? Like you've done all these interviews with different uh, folks uh, to, to get, like to draw out of you and, and your dad. Um, what, what's the question that was like, whoa, you know, I, I never even saw that one coming. You know, I would say... Um... The question that I get asked often the most um, would probably be, how did this affect you immediately after your weekend? Um, you know, my rite of passage weekend happened when I was 13 years old. So, you know, a lot of people are interested in, well, what were you like as a teenager growing up? You know, like what effect did this have on you? And, you know, for me, I look back on it and I think, most of the benefits that came from this weekend were primarily long-term benefits, you know, um, short-term, I think I was like most teenagers in many ways, you know, um, I, I had some differences, uh, you know, having that rite of passage weekend definitely gave me confidence in my masculine identity, uh, through my teenage years, but it really wasn't until my early twenties that I started to really appreciate what my family had done for me. So um, I would say that, you know, it it's primarily a long-term investment for your son. And it that's been surprising as people asking me about, well, what's the short-term benefit? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Like what's the payoff? Because yeah. uh, in your book, Milestone to Manhood, and you see it, if you're watching this interview, if you're listening on the radio, you're, you're missing out. There's a picture of, man, of the cover of Milestone to Manhood and their, and their website, milestonetomanhood.com, in which uh, they, he, they, his, they uh, Stephen and his uh, dad, David, go into this rite of passage weekend where uh, his, his dad took uh, Stephen and they went away for uh, a surprise, it was a surprise, 13-year-old uh, birthday party getaway, but it was not even a birthday party, it was a celebration of, of coming into manhood at your 13th birthday. And you go into the details of the different stages of it in the first part of the book. And then in the second part, you break open each of the elements that are part of this rite of passage, this movement from being a boy to being a man. 
And uh, I want to encourage you folks to, if you're watching this or you're listening to this, to go to milestonetomanhood.com and you'll get access to the book as well as other resources and insights. Um, so Stephen, as we're, as we're talking about this, um, I think about this call that I have as a father. My call is to be, uh, you know, I, the, the language that I use is to lead, provide, and protect, right? To mm -hmm. lead, provide, to lead is to go before, to provide is to be with, to protect is to say, I've got your back. Yeah. And, and even just that, there's not a lot of teaching out there for men on how to do those things. And one of the like basic, let's call it rules of the spiritual life is you, you can't give what you haven't received. You can't yeah. give what you haven't received. And I'm thinking that there are a lot of guys listening to this program who are saying, you know, I didn't receive a lot of this kind of care and attention that you talk about in Milestone to Manhood. Um, when um, So when guys that are, are hearing this and they're going to hear about the idea of taking on the challenge of setting aside a weekend uh, or it's an overnight, right? It's an overnight. It's a day and the next day. You're setting aside this, this time to, to get away in order to uh, help your, your 13 year old son to come into this new status, this new way of seeing themselves as a man. Um, have you found that, um, that some men will just stop and say, well, this is just too much. I, I don't even know where to begin because the elements that you talk about in your book are really based on the blessing that your dad had when he received his own uh, rite of passage weekend. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of guys are intimidated by the scope of the weekend and having those conversations with your son, you know, having a conversation with your son about what it means to be a man or what your faith means to you or talking about your own personal strengths and weaknesses. Um, I would say to fathers out there uh, who are in that position, one is uh, you're not doing this for yourself. You're doing this for your son, right? So there, it's a very unselfish cause. Um, the second thing I would say is that you are going to bring in other men to help you in this endeavor. You know, the weekend it is the father and son, but it also includes the other male role models in a boy's life. Uh, so appropriate men might be grandfathers, uncles, older brothers, older cousins, godfather. Absolutely. Um, these are all men that you will bring into the weekend to help you. And so you can delegate certain tasks to them. So like, you know, maybe grandpa leads the discussion about what it means to be a man. And then one of the uncles leads the d discussion about scripture sharing. Um, so you'll have other men supporting you in this. And I would also say, you know, you're you're right that a, a lot of men today have never been told by another man that you are a man. You know, um, a lot of men today are not confident in their masculine identity, but well, for one, I would like to take an opportunity during your show, Tom, to say, you know, if you're a father out there listening, you have an 11, 12, 13-year-old son who you might want to throw a rite of passage for them, I would say you are a man already. You know, whether someone's told you that or not, you are a man. And um, the second thing I'll say is that, you know, my father, when he started this, he did not have 
a father, he did not grow up with a father figure in the house. My grandfather um, separated from my grandmother and moved to Mexico uh, for for more affordable healthcare down there. Um, so my dad grew up really not having a father figure in the house. And so that's why it was so important for him to uh, organize one of these rites of passage weekends for all of his sons, because he wanted to be the father that he never had. So if that uh, is a similar story to any of your listeners out there, let that be your motivation. You know, maybe you haven't have ever been told that you're a man or you've never been affirmed in your masculine identity, let that be your motivation to give that to your son so that his story is not the same as yours. Yeah, that's a great point, Stephen. I, uh, I remember one time I was talking with, I've got two brothers. I was talking with my older brother and uh, it, we were just you know, together at the family. And, and we started to talk about what was your favorite memory growing up with dad? So my dad is 89. And what was your favorite memory growing up with, with dad. And um, he said it was when we would be in the backyard playing catch with the baseball, throwing the baseball back and forth. Mm. And I just, my jaw dropped because I said, that was mine too. Uh-huh. That was mine too. Now, Stephen, what you don't know is that uh, that happened once. Wow. It was only one time in the entirety of my growing up uh-huh. where my dad took the the moment to throw the ball with and play catch with me and even as we're sitting here talking about it i have the memory of my dad throwing the fastball and it hurt my hand yeah and i loved that because it was like i was experiencing my dad's strength yeah by his ability to throw the ball hard and i caught it and the fact that I was throwing the ball back to my dad and he was like affirming me by catching and saying, whoa. And then he threw a curveball to me and I'm like, whoa. And it was like, my dad's got skill. Right. Yeah. So my dad was sort of revealing um, something about who he was to me by playing catch with me. Now I want you to, I want you to hear it again out loud. This was the most memorable striking occurrence of my remembrance of my dad growing up and it happened once uh-huh. it happened once when I was probably uh, 10, 11, 12 years old. Uh, and fathers, I mean, just to hear that, like, I don't think we dads have any idea the impact we have on our kids by how we relate to them. When we, we came apart from, the busyness of the household that he was leading. He came apart from the crazy busy work life that he had. And he said, I'm going to take time set apart to be with you, to just celebrate just that. that he didn't and he doesn't even know how to talk like that. He would never have talked about it like that or thought about it like that. He just did it. Yeah. And it was so impactful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The role of father, you know, is, is really irreplaceable. Um, Definitely, it's under attack today. There's no doubt about that. Um, If you just look at the statistics about the number of fatherless households in America, um, it's been steadily rising since the 1960s. Fatherhood is absolutely under attack. But you're right in that, you know, um, the, the role of father 
you know, no one else, no other man, Tom, could have impacted you by throwing a baseball in the same way that your dad did. You know, it meant so much to you to throw that ball with him. You know, so much was going through your mind about relating to your father as a man just by throwing a baseball with him. You know, no other human in the world could affect you in the way that your dad affected you just by throwing a baseball. Well, let me give you the converse. <clears throat> there was a, I can remember one time where he came out to play basketball with us. He had built a, a small, like just slab of cement um, and put up a basketball hoop. And so we kids were out there all the time using the yard and, you know, playing sports or whatever. And one time we were playing two on two basketball. It was myself, one of my brothers, the neighbor dad and my dad. Uh -huh. And I was, I was on the same team as my dad. And I so wanted to get my dad's like cheering me on and celebrating and, and all of that, that I started to hog the ball. Like uh -huh. I would shoot and I would score. And if my dad passed me the ball, I would drive in and my dad started getting frustrated. He's like, pass the ball, pass the ball. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't pass it enough because what happened was he got frustrated and he said, fine, you don't need a teammate. And he walked off the court back to the house. And I felt devastated, devastated because I, I wasn't trying to like say, dad, get out of the way. I'm all that. Uh -huh. I, I wanted my dad's approval and he didn't get that. Yeah. And, um, and so when he walked away, it was like this, uh, you know, I don't want to use an emotional term like wound, but there was just this, this, this sense of God, well, dad, what did I do? I, dad did come back. Right. Yeah. And uh, that idea of getting the approval, getting that sense of, um, you know, he can build me up, but if, if he relates to me differently, it can knock me down. Yeah, very, absolutely. It's a very, very, uh, you know, important factor I think for for men to realize there that um, there it, there is that irreplaceable role, but that role is one of how do we build up? How do we build up our sons to be able to say to them, um, I I want you to 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 grow into everything you can be, right? Um, and to be able to affirm that and name that. Absolutely, and and God knows that. Boys today need it. You know, they boys are being attacked in today's culture as much as as men are, you know, um, with, uh, you know, Internet addictions, uh, pornography addictions, um, extreme stunts. Like these are all ways that boys are being attacked by the culture um, to follow, uh, follow, follow worldly things. You know, we need. Um, we need fathers to nurture their sons and to build their sons up so that boys don't get attracted and pulled away into the world. You know, um, what we sh what we're offering our sons should be more enticing, should be more beautiful than what the world offers them. Yeah. I'm talking with Stephen Arms today on the program. Uh, he is the co-author of the book Milestone to Manhood, along with his dad. It's about utilizing the 13th birthday as a stake in the ground as an important turning point in the life of a young man where they come into their 13th birthday rite of passage weekend 
and they uh, as a boy and they come out a man and uh, the the whole book, the Milestone to Manhood book, breaks that open down into the different parts and pieces of everything from how do you plan for that weekend, six months out, three months out, a month out, to whom do you invite, what do you have them do to prepare, how does the weekend begin, how do you drive off, how do you have a you know surprise? Guess what? Here we are. We're meeting up with you uh, for lunch. We get to the uh, we get to the cabin, the location. The, the ceremony of entering into the cabin, what happens that first night, and on and on it goes. I'm giving you lots of details, folks, that you'll find in the book, Milestone to Manhood. And, and I want to dive into and, and unpack a number of the elements that you talk about in the book, Stephen, and you guys describe on this weekend, this weekend rite of passage. Um, I, I want to highlight, though, a, a point that I've found so Im, Im, important and, and mm-hmm. it has to do with the idea of you as a dad, I'm talking to the dads now being spiritual leaders um, and what's at stake in that. And, and here's what I mean. So it was just over three years ago that I uprooted my family and we moved from the Puget Sound area, the Seattle area to Eastern Washington, the northern, uh, very far corner of Eastern Washington, Northern Idaho. And I did so not because we had this big dream, one day we'll move to Spokane, Washington. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the ideal. It wasn't the goal that we had for our lives. It was as a result of the call that my wife and I have to raise our kids in such a way that they'll discover their identity in Christ as Catholic Christian disciples, and they'll sense that call to become a saint and that they'll discern as they live out that relationship with Christ as Catholics to discover and to live out their God-given mission. We're called to be saints who fulfill our God-given mission. And that was under attack in such horrific ways that um, that so many weren't even realizing. But as parents have come to recognize the challenge they have in facing uh, the the toxic effects that are coming against their teens. And I encourage them, take action, take action, uproot if you need to, find a refuge. Like Joseph took the Holy Family to Egypt. You have to find a refuge for your family. The number one reason why families don't make the move, it's not because of a job, it's not because of a family, like a family situation where they can't move. Those are impactful. The number one reason is my teenager won't let me. Now, I want you to ponder that for a minute. My teenager won't let me. That might be a hard thing for, for you to kind of grasp, but the sense of the father not wanting to introduce a kind of suffering into their kids' lives is going to be so disturbing for them to uproot them in their early high school years from their friends and from the school they're in. I can't do that to them. And as a result, their kids remain in a toxic swamp that is impacting them, sowing seeds into their lives that are so destructive. And I got to tell you, uh, that's that's a that's a sadness for me that we men, husbands, fathers, are called to do difficult things, courageous things, if we are going to, in fact, lead, provide, and protect our families in this moment. And so if we can utilize uh, a, um, a in our toolkit of being a father, uh, a, a rite of passage to help our 
soon to be teen, soon to be 13 year old, to be able to come apart and be able to have spoken into them in this engaging way over the course of their 13th birthday, a weekend around that time, a ritual that leads them to hear the recognition, you're called to be a man. You are a man. You're a godly man. And as a result of that, you're going to be asked to pick up your cross and you're going to up your game now as a result of that. So threw a lot at you there, Stephen, but uh, you can see I'm really passionate about this. Absolutely. Um, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it sounds like what you described as teenagers leading the family instead of fathers leading the family, you know, and that's not the way that God designed the family to be. Um, you're right that the rite of passage weekend is uh, a tool in the tool belt to be used on or around a boy's 13th birthday. Um, it's not a cure-all, you know, um, just because you hold a rite of passage for your son uh, does not mean that you have license to just step away at that point and say, well, everything is on you. You still have to be that example of a godly, holy man in his life. You know, that is step one. Step one is as the father figure, you need to be, you need to emulate God, the father in heaven, right? Your son is going to look to you as an example of what God, the father in heaven is like. So step one is you have to be that godly example of a godly man in your son's life. There's no getting around that. You know, a rite of passage weekend on a boy's 13th birthday, that's maybe step two or step three. You know, that's a more advanced technique, but we can't get away from the fundamentals. And the fundamentals is you have to be an example of a godly man for your son. Well, and it's um, ready or not, the, the world is coming against you, right? So it's Exodus 17, Moses and Joshua leading God's people through the desert. And then it said the uh, Amalekites came and waged war against the Israelites. It wasn't that Moses and Joshua, like, let's find someone and pick a fight. It was, no, the battle came to them. Yeah. And ready or not, here it comes. So we're in the midst of the battle. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? Today I'm talking with Stephen Arms. And he's describing the uh, rite of passage uh, weekend that is connected to a 13th birthday in the life of a young man, your son. Uh, in his book, Milestone to Manhood, he co-authored with his dad, David Arms. You can get the book on Amazon.com. Again, if you're watching uh, this uh, online, you have a chance to see the connection, the connecting point here on Amazon.com, uh, Milestone to Manhood. But again, you go to Milestone to Manhood.com where you can learn a lot more about this weekend and figure out um, how in what version of the book you'd want to get a digital version if you want to get uh, the, the, the book to put in your hands and, and to explore the concept of that weekend yourself. Stephen, um, when I think about um, the, the elements of this, it, one of the things that you guys bring up in the book, uh, Milestone to Manhood, is the story of Jesus as a 12-year-old. Yeah. Uh, and everyone knows it. it's the finding of Jesus in the temple. And yet that, in a certain way, you guys map out as a kind of rite of passage for Jesus. Yeah. Uh, would you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been Catholic my whole life. I've prayed the rosary, you know, who knows how many times. And the finding, the story of the finding of Jesus in the temple has always kind of eluded me. You know, I never really understood like 
what is the story telling? You know, what's the story behind the story? I never really understood the finding of Jesus in the temple. And in researching this book and writing this book, um, I found out that <clears throat> the story of finding Jesus in the temple was the moment in his life that Jesus, that Christ made the leap from boyhood to manhood. And there's a few reasons that I can say to support this idea. For one, it's the only story in the Bible about Jesus's childhood that does not relate to his birth, right? Um, in the Gospel of Luke, it also says that the finding of the boy Jesus in the temple occurred when he was 12. So that right there tells us it's that's an important detail, right? Why did the the author of the gospel say this occurred when he was 12 years old? You know, 12 years old is that age of entering into puberty, right? It's that age of exiting your childhood and starting to become a man. <clears throat> and if you look at the story of the finding of Jesus in the temple, it fits the three elements of a rite of passage. And those three elements are separation. So the boy Jesus is separated from his parents, Mary and Joseph. He's no, he, he can't be found in the caravan, right? He's separated from his, his family. The second element is there is a challenge. So when they do eventually find him, they find him in the temple speaking with priests and scholars of the, of, of scripture and he's having a discussion about what the scripture means, right? So here's a boy, 12 years old. Granted, this is Jesus Christ, right? This is God himself. So he knows the scripture better than these grown men do. But here's a boy who is having a grown-up grown, grown up discussion with other men who are not related to him, right? If I was a 12-year-old, I would that would that I would totally fall flat on my face, right? And yet Jesus rises to the occasion and has a, a deep, meaningful discussion about the scriptures with these scholars and priests. Mm -hmm. So there's separation, there's a challenge. And then the third part is there's reintegration back into the family, right? So um, Joseph and Mary find him and he goes home with them. Now, if you look at how Jesus talks to Mary when they find him, Mary says something along the lines of, why have you done this to us? Didn't you know that we were worried? You know, and he, Jesus doesn't go running back to his mother crying, saying how much I missed you. He doesn't, he doesn't even apologize. The way that he talks is kind of blunt and to the point. Um, he says, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? He's kind of like, of course I would be here. You know, he speaks to Mary in the way that a man would speak to his mother. He doesn't speak to Mary in a way that a boy would speak to his mother. So yeah. the, the story of finding Jesus in the temple is a story of Jesus's rite of passage. It's the moment that he became, that he left his childhood behind him and started to become a man. And Stephen, one of the elements there that, um, uh, I think is pretty cool that also it kind of explains how could Joseph and Mary, the you know, the mother of God and St. Joseph walk away from Jerusalem with their caravan for a whole day without knowing that Jesus was there. And uh, I love that element, right? That 
the men would travel at the front of the caravan and the women would travel at the back. And so Mary thought, well, she's with Joseph. Jesus is with Joseph. And Joseph thought, well, no, he's, he's a boy. He's with Mary in the back. Mary thought, no, he's with Joseph in the front because he's a man. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they are like, oh my goodness, <laughs> we're not, where were we? So there is that real, like very poignant reality that Jesus came to Jerusalem as a boy and now he's leaving as a man. Uh, it's very powerful. I, I it, it explains, it explains quite a bit. Um, and I love what you just teased out there, Stephen, those three elements, you bring it out in the book, the importance of coming apart, right? Think in the scriptures, how many times folks, Jesus takes his disciples apart or he himself goes apart. If you want to discover who you are, you can't just stay immersed in the day in the daily details. It's too easy to get distracted. It's too easy to get dispersed. It's too easy to stay with the familiar. So pulling away from the comfortable environments where we already are immersed, it's too easy to remain in the burden uh, or the carrying the weight of the familiar. So coming apart from that, is uh, an important aspect of any retreat. We retreat in order to advance. And so the second element is what happens when you're there after you've retreated? What are the things that you do? And then how are you different when you come back? So real quickly, I want to, and I want to dig into this in your book, Rite of Passage. You do mention at the, at the end of the book on one of the appendices about, hey, this can also be done for for girls as well. So, so I'm a dad of nine kiddos, and I, all of my kids are boys except for seven of them. That was a joke there, Stephen. <laughs> Two boys, back to back, sixteen and fifteen, and seven girls, uh, four older and three younger than my boys. And my wife Carrie, um, not in the form of a rite of passage, but as a family custom goes away with the girls for what she calls a girl's weekend. And so they go away from the home and then they have their set of rituals that they do. Like they get their nails done and their feet done. And, uh, and, but the idea is that they do the fun things, but then they also will review the year. Okay. What was the year like? What are you proud of? What are you happiest with? What didn't go so well? What were the goals you set? How did that How did that work out? What are your favorite memories of the past year? And she does that in a, um, in a context of faith. So they get to so pick a fun location to go to, pick a, uh, a distant location they're going to go to, and then build in the rituals while they're there. And then they come back and they've made memories, right? They've made memories. Yeah. Now, to be honest with you, that's, that's a gift my wife has. Absolutely. And that gift skipped over me. <laughs> and so she's actually said to me, why don't you do something with your boys? Why don't you do something with your boys? And there is that, uh, there's probably no other word for it. It's passivity rooted in an excuse. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's passivity rooted in busyness. I'm so busy. I don't even know where to begin to do something like that. And it would be kind of awkward. And so I think one of the great gifts of Milestone to Manhood is the way in which it is, it tells the story in the first main part of the book, but then you get a manual. There's a manual that explains the different elements. And then there's the, the actual map out <laughs> like, Hey, here's your schedule 
for the day it's, you know, for that main day, for the day before, for the, for that weekend, what do you do afterwards when you have a birthday party for the, for your 13 year old, when they get back to the house, um, super helpful for passive dads who've settled for the excuse of, of busyness. So I, 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 go ahead. I I was going to say, I appreciate that, you know, uh, not that it's a good thing that there are passive dads. I mean, I fall into it too. Don't get me wrong. You know, being a dad is not easy. We are pulled in a million different directions. Um, so I totally understand why it's not easy to spend that quality time with your boys. Um, but I will take what you said as a compliment that the book, um, is helpful to dads like you who, who may not know where to begin. Um, you know, our family has been organizing these rite of passage weekends for 20 years. And a lot of the content of the book was just emails that we used back and forth within the family to organize these weekends. And now that my youngest nephew has turned 13 and has, has, has had his rite of passage, we figure, well, why don't we just compile this, all this information that we've gathered as a family into a short book that we can give to the rest of the world so that other families like your family, Tom, can benefit from this rite of passage weekend in the same way that we have. So Stephen, it's funny. I uh, was about, let's see, maybe three, uh, towards the beginning of the summer, like after school ended, um, some friends of ours, they're Christian, not Catholic. uh, They have... Uh, several boys. And I think he was 13 years old. And Uh the dad took him, they got an airplane, they flew from Spokane to Alaska. And you talk about getting away for a weekend, they got away. Sounds awesome. They were in a lodge together. And it was a rite of passage weekend for them. Uh, It was so it was done in a Christian context. And so many of the elements were overlapping with what uh-huh. you cover in milestone and manhood yeah. um, where they had um, young, uh, they had several young men. It wasn't just focused on one. So it was this young man plus other dads, young men. So there were several yeah. of them uh-huh. and then they had the other men around them and it was the speak into their lives. Like, here's what I see in you. And um, they went hunting and fishing, right? So they they were like all in. Now they didn't bow and arrow shoot and take a knife and all that, but it was it was one of those things where we're going to strip you away from the familiar and the comfortable. We're going to put you into a setting that's hard, and we're going to um, speak into your life um, uh, words to build you up. And I can remember hearing that thinking. Wow. And so we had a really interesting conversation about it. Like what worked well, what was the hardest? Like one of the hard things was, well, some of the guys that were coming, they don't live near my son. So they don't really know him that well. So there was a bit of work to kind of prepare them not to lionize and sort of make stuff up um, and be overly dramatic, but to uh, like stay the course. Because a lot of guys don't know how to speak words of affirmation, don't know how to build up in speech in a way that is authentic rather than flattery or, um, or said in a negative way. Right. So you you can say, you know what, you are not nearly as wimpy as you used to be. Right. (laughs) Thanks. I feel so built up when you say that. Yeah. What a great compliment. Right. So that sort of backwards compliment. And so that even just the idea of learning how to affirm 
can be a, a very powerful thing. That's one of the, the key elements in your rite of passage uh, weekend for the for the 13-year-old, uh, that, that son of yours or that nephew of yours or that significant young man in your life that uh, is maybe growing up in a home without a dad. And you can play that role uh, with the obviously with the mom's support and and involvement to be able to help that young man get spoken into, like speak life into that young man. Yeah. Um, to be able to help them sort of rise to that to that uh, that new integration as a man. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Um, that's really cool that your friend did that for his son. Um, sounds like an amazing weekend. I'm sure that that boy will look back on it for, and remember it for the rest of his life. You know, what an amazing experience. One thing yeah. that we really was important for us in our rite of passage weekends was the fact that it was only men who knew the boy and had a relationship with him. Right. We didn't, we didn't want strangers or other men that he didn't have a relationship with. We, we only wanted men who, the boy had a relationship with and what they, because then what they say is more meaningful, right? Um, when it comes from your dad, your grandfather, your uncles, it, it just means a little bit more. And the other thing is that we're, you're going to journey the rest of your life with those men, right? Uh, your grandfather, your uncles, you know, you're going to, they're your family, right? You can't escape them whether you want to or not. So one of the beautiful things about the weekend, the, the rite of passage weekend that we talk about in Milestone to Manhood, is that you establish this relationship with the, with the other men in your family um, that that you can lean back on, that you can lean on in the future. You know, um, when a boy inevitably reaches some bumpy times in his life, you know, he, he will... Um, experience the ups and downs of life just as every other man does. Um, he'll have these relationships with the other men in his family that he can refer back to and say, you know, I, I need some help here. What, what do you think, grandpa? What do you think, uncles? You know, because the, the grandpa and the uncles and the dad have already established that relationship with them. They've opened up and said, you can come to us for anything. We have your best interest at heart we love you unconditionally. Well, they're not going anywhere. So the boy can, for the rest of his life, can go back and refer to those men. So that's one of the the parts, the elements of the weekend that was really important to us was that it was just men who had a pre-established relationship with the boy. So today I'm talking with Stephen Arm. Stephen is a co-author along with his dad of the book Milestone to Manhood. And uh, you can go to that website, Milestone to Manhood, to learn more about um, what he's doing there uh, in in the book and in this just whole initiative to help um, young men uh, go make that transition from a boy to a man. Again, milestonetomanhood.com is the website on Amazon. Here's a link if you're watching this online. Or if you're listening to this, you can just type in the book Milestone to Manhood to be able to purchase it on Amazon. So today I'm talking with Stephen Arms. Stephen is a co-author along with his dad of the book Milestone to Manhood. And uh, you can go to that website, Milestone to Manhood, to learn more about um, what he's doing there. Uh, Stephen, what, one of the things that I think is so important about what you're saying in, in going away for this rite of passage uh, special event, this coming away, the journeying through the weekend and then coming away from it, is uh, 
it, it's a it's a principle that you see it with regards to the spiritual life, which is you'll never pray always unless you pray sometimes. Uh-huh. You'll, you won't pray always and throughout the whole course of your, your day, making everything a prayer, unless you step apart and you make a time set apart for prayer itself. I take that uh, principle and I apply it here, that if you you won't treat your son in that journey from being a boy to a man, always, one of the aids to help you do that is coming apart and to do it in a very special time. So um, this past summer, just uh, just uh, over a month ago, actually about a month ago, we were uh, we were at a family reunion that my wife again. This has got she got the gift of organizing the weekend um, for um, her siblings and their spouses and children to be able to come together. Now she's got eleven siblings, and we've got uh-huh. about forty five uh, nephews and nieces. So wow. That's a lot. Yeah, and um, we weren't able to get everybody there, but there were probably. A total of about 45 people there. That's a lot. Yeah. And um, most of them were, say, 22 down to, uh, you know, eight years old, right in that range. And um, it was an amazing weekend that it had lots of different events in it. Um, you know, we broke up into teams, we had a theme and all these other things. But one of the highlights was we had the graduates. So you think about this rite of passage. We had uh, four graduates from high school and one graduating into high school and sat them up front. And um, you had the opportunity to stand up and speak words of a- affirmation and celebration or to offer guidance to these young people who are moving on uh, after high school into the next stage of their life. And it was really it was powerful. Now, honestly, it was also funny <laughs> because some of the things that, you know, this was not a scripted thing. It wasn't as prepared as uh, what you're talking about doing in Rite of Passage. Very intentional, very specific, uh, very worked out in advance. But even there, you could see the power of what was going on by having several uncles get up and look each of these graduates in the eyes and say, you, let me name you. And let me talk about what I see in you and you. And, and that might sound all profound. Like I said, there were some poignant moments. Uh, a lot of it was, again, kind of um, uh, a little bit funny the way they would try to say things. Cause again, it's sort of out of their comfort zone, yeah. but it was still so powerful yeah. to be able to, to have that happen. Yeah. And that's okay that it's funny. You know, it doesn't have to be serious and stoic the whole time, right? Um, There can be moments of being serious and having deep conversation. But I look back on my rite of passage weekend, and there were a lot of times where we were laughing together as a group. You know, Um, humor is humor and joy are an essential element of life. Um, Amen. All right, Stephen, I want to get into some of the like some of the specific threads that you guys made decisions about this rite of passage weekend, a milestone to manhood. Uh, the first one was it's a surprise. So it's a surprise for the 13 year old when he's going to go away. And it's a surprise that he then keeps from any younger siblings, any younger brothers. Yeah. So why is that important? So the element of surprise is important um, for a couple of reasons. For one, um, we wanted the boy, the 13-year-old boy, to feel like this weekend was all about him, right? So if if the boy knew, you know, oh, my older brother had it, my older cousin had it, this is going to happen to me when I turn 13, he, he knows that it's going to come, right? And 
uh, it loses a little bit of the uniqueness, you know, making the boy feel like he's one of a kind. And this weekend is all about him. Right. So we, we, the element of surprise is important to make him feel special and unique. Um, the second reason I would say is that uh, having the weekend be a surprise teaches the boy not to become too jaded in life, not to not to think that he always knows what's coming next, because the truth is we don't, right? Um, none of us would have expected our lives to turn out the way that they have, right? Um, we think that we're going to be one thing growing up and we turn out to be something totally different, right? And that's okay, you know? Um, and that having the weekend be a surprise is a way to get the boy to start to be okay with uh, taking life as it comes and um, not always having it be his way. Mm -hmm. Nice. So then, um, I, so I like that. It made me ponder. I was thinking about it. Like, does it really have to be a surprise? So it was helpful when you, when you guys uh, elicited that in the book, like here are the, here are the elements that make it more valuable. Um, okay. So then another thing that was like, wow, I never thought of that before. So you get to the cabin, you guys recommend um, getting away again, getting into an environment that's more rustic technology free, and it's going to allow you to focus in, you get to the cabin and everyone stays outside. Uh -huh. And, and then there's that, like intentional decision to say, we are going to go into the cabin and we're not coming out. So yeah. we're going in and then now we're going to welcome you in uh, to that cabin. Who came up with that? First of all, it was like, again, really, maybe it was just one of those surprising elements of this rite of passage weekend that made me say, wow, this is, this is something that's thought through. And this idea of, oh, it's not just a typical like vacation away at the, at the cabin. Yeah. No, there's something ritualized that was going on here. Yeah. I would say that my grandfather came up with it. Um, he's no longer with us. He passed away in 2016. So I wish I could have that conversation and say, how did you come up with that idea? You know, um, I'm sure he would have given us a, an amazing answer um, to talk. So the, the entrance ceremony is what you're referring to. And uh, one of the reasons why we had an entrance ceremony is because if we look at other rite of passages, they all have entrance ceremonies. So like a graduation, you know, when you graduate high school, a graduation ceremony is a rite of passage. You're finishing high school and you're entering into college or your vocation or whatever you have next. Um, th the purpose of the graduation ceremony is to give a boy or a girl the emotional closure that high school is ending and that a new chapter of their life is beginning. Um, the same thing for a wedding ceremony, right? It's a wedding. A marriage is a sacrament. Absolutely. So it's more than a rite of passage, but a wedding ceremony is also a rite of passage in that your single life is ending and your married life is beginning. And the marriage ceremony is designed to help you emotionally make that leap from your your single life is ending and your married life is beginning. All of those, almost every example of a rite of passage has this entrance ceremony aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. The walking up of the aisle. And so we included a, an entrance ceremony in our rite of passage weekend as well. And it, it's a little bit more rustic, right? It's only men there. You are away for a weekend with no technology. So it doesn't look like a wedding 
entrance ceremony. It doesn't look like a graduation entrance ceremony, but there, there is, you know, a clear beginning of the weekend. And, and like you said, you know, one of the, one of the aspects is that once you enter the cabin, you never leave it. And that speaks to the fact that like, why are we here? You know, we're not here for long walks on the beach or to have a fishing trip with the boys. There's, there's time, there's time and a, and a place for that, right? Those are not bad things, but the purpose of the weekend is to initiate a boy into manhood. So it would be inappropriate for someone to leave and go on a hike during the weekend because that's not why you're there. You're there to focus on the boy. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. That's uh, Stephen Arms talking with me today uh, on the program about his book that he co-authored along with his dad, Milestone to Manhood. And in this book, they go in in great detail into a rite of passage weekend for a 13-year-old. And we're starting to walk through some of the details. One of the things that you put into the book, and I felt there was like a little bit of drama here. There's sticks and ribbons that involve the men that are there being willing to share what they identify as their strengths and also their limits, their weaknesses. Talk about that ribbon ceremony. Sure. Well, let me first explain how the ribbon ceremony works uh, so your your audience has an idea of, of what we're talking about. Um, so the ribbon ceremony, each man uh, pr- before the weekend prepares uh three, six ribbons. So three positive character traits that they see in themselves. So maybe honest, loyal, and faithful. Those are three examples of positive character traits that a man might see in himself. And then also he writes down three negative character traits that he sees in in himself. So they may be greedy, lustful, and lazy. Um, and then he ties all six of those ribbons onto a stick. And and then he shares with the group why he wrote down each of those character traits. And then the boy also has a stick. His stick is completely empty. He has no ribbons on his. On his. And as the men share their positive and negative character traits, his the boy's responsibility is to untie the traits that he wants off of the men's sticks and tie them onto his stick, right? But also leave the traits that he does not want to emulate from the man. And the the purpose of the ribbon ceremony is really to give a physical representation of the fact that we as men can take certain traits from other men, good or bad, that are close to us, right? The people that we surround ourselves with are inevitably going to have an impact on who we turn out to be for good or for bad. And so you have to be very careful about who you surround yourself with and what you intentionally take from other people. 
Um, ideally, the boy takes only the positive character traits and the men. That was the drama with... part. That was yeah. the part. I was like, does it ever happen that they might be like if they haven't entered the weekend with the right spirit that they get a little bit snarky and uh, or try to flip it? You know, that on all the rite of passage weekends that I've been on for me and for my younger brothers and my younger cousins, that never occurred. Um, at a boy who's 12 or 13 years old, in our experience is just not that at that point, he's not totally resistant to unsolicited advice from, you know, his dad and his grandfather and his uncles. He's not, he's not that jaded yet. Right. Um, so that has never occurred. Nice. I like that. My wife, Carrie and I know, you know, with all of these kiddos and as, as old as they are, I've got five teenagers. So pray for me there, Steven, <laughs> is that, um, is that, uh, we know at a certain point, our kids are going to be looking to other adults, not just peers, but other adults for that sense of guidance, for that sense of messaging, for that sense of um, uh, that, that, that docile, that docility to be spoken into. Uh -huh. That mom and dad, because we are the externalization of the law in our kids' lives, that sometimes where we can come across as that bad cop and there's that resistance that starts to grow in them. And that's what you're talking about as a 13-year-old is a key moment. Yeah. And so understanding coaches, understanding teachers, understanding their friends' dads can become much more intentional and something that we parents become engaged in where we are very comfortable saying, yeah, we enjoy that you are friends with this young man because we know the family, the dad is a very intentional father. And we want you to be able to have him be sp speaking into your life too, because you might be a little more resistant to me right now. Yeah. So I think that um, a rite of passage weekend, again, it, it makes that all come together in a very condensed form makes the idea of a rite of passage to be something that is less interventional and something more natural in, in the life of a young man. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you have to be very careful about who you allow to influence your children. Um, mom and dad have a, a huge impact on, on their children, but like you referred to as the teenage years, as a, as a boy or a girl, uh, progresses the teenage years inevitably they're gonna start to have tension and want to separate from mom and dad and they will look for their sense of worth they will look for other role models um through at to other uh grown adults you know and so giving them this rite of passage weekend as a 13 year old before they've really entered into their teenage years gives them a relationship with grown men um who they can refer back to, who they feel comfortable with, you know, that was certainly the case in my, in my story. Um, in college, I, as, as a lot of people, um, experience, I was introduced to a lot of new ideas and had, um, my, a few months of doubt and not, not going to be honest, I wasn't going to mass for, for a while there in college. And I had a lot of questions about, do I believe in God anymore? Um, why am I Catholic? And um, it was my grandfather who I ultimately decided to refer back to and and bring those questions to him. You know, I was I was nervous what my parents might have to say, um, but for whatever reason, I felt 
a little bit more comfortable talking to to grandpa about those questions. Um, and he helped me to navigate those questions. And, um, you know, I don't know, hindsight is twenty twenty. who knows what would have happened otherwise. But for me, this rite of passage weekend and establishing that relationship with my grandfather, you know, almost 10 years later, when I was in college, that's when it paid off when I felt like I could go back to him. And I mean, I, I honestly don't know if I would be a practicing Catholic today if it wasn't for this rite of passage weekend and the relationship that came of it with my grandfather. Yeah, that's amazing. Stephen, thank you so much for being with me today on the program. Oh, thanks for having me, Tom. It's been an honor to be on your show. And I just want to say, you know, at the, at the very end of all this, um, thank you for, for what you're doing. Um, thank you for being the father that you are to your children and the husband that you are to your wife. Uh, clearly, you're a good man trying to help the world and help your family. And we need more men like you. So I just want to say thank you to you. Now, now, Stephen, you should have led with that. I mean, come on. That was like, <laughs> you're you, you saving the best. I'm just teasing. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Stephen. Yes. Thank we're, you. We are battling this fight, fighting the good fight. Thanks. <laughs>